Hey everybody, welcome to the Spliff Podcast. I'm Bonellis, and uh, I've never actually read my iTunes intro, so I'm going to start with that. Welcome to the Spliff Podcast, a weekly podcast that delves into the many facets of cannabis, pot, weed, ganja, bang, grass, or whatever you call it, for beginners, seasoned tokers, and interested nonpartisans alike. Bo, that's me, will discuss how to apply cannabis medicinally and recreationally, new products and trends, as well as industry and political ramblings. Hosted by Bonellis, again, that's me, who's definitely not a doctor. So don't take these opinionated offerings as medical advice, Mkai. Let's get to it. This is episode 40, and we're going to talk about tolerance. But first... Stoner moments, and like promised, I have quite a few. First, I want to say that I still don't have a link for El Remedio. Um, Yami's obviously busy, and I haven't heard back from her, so there it is. Also, I wanted to say that when I was talking about how many states there were when I banked that episode, there were only 24 states, but now there are 25. Welcome, Ohio! O-H-I-O. Yeah, that's my birth state. Hi, Daddy. Anyway, um, moving on. Also, I, I was really high when I recorded that episode, episode 39, where I uh, had renewed my, my recommendation, but I really wanted to, to record it pretty shortly after I actually experienced it. And, um, one of the things that I wished I had mentioned that I didn't was the difference between Prop 215 and SB 420, that's Senate Bill 420, uh, in California law. Prop 215 is a voter-passed initiative that grants doctors the right to recommend cannabis to their patients and then also grants those patients the right to grow and use cannabis in a medicinal fashion up to a certain number. I'm pretty sure the number is is actually stated in 215. But if I'm wrong, that's because it's in SB 420 and these things are often confused and confusing. Senate Bill 420 was passed in response to Prop 215 because there was a lot of uh, a lot of problems with the system, especially in allowing patients to acquire their cannabis. And what SB 420 did primarily in terms of legality that I want to discuss is it set up a state registration identification system. Now, this system is costly. It begins in much the same way that uh, any patient would begin. You have to get the recommendation, the paper recommendation from a doctor you have to have medical records, you have to pay all these fees, and then you get put on a list that uh, is a registry with the state that allows law enforcement officers to have a searchable database to prove that you are indeed a medical cannabis patient. And that is the only true form of patient ID that law enforcement has to accept. Now, that being said, the culture is much freer than that. And in most places and with most officers, 
your normal paper recommendation in this day and time, 2016, is more than enough. But if you want to go out and demonstrate and maybe create some ruckus, actually having that state identification card is going to get you a lot more leeway, a lot more leeway than just the paper recommendation would. A lot more credibility. We'll say a lot more credibility because that's really what it is. But then you're also on a state registration and a lot of people have issue with that. So it's and and then the the prohibitive cost of course it's not a popular option but it was our legislators response to trying to deal with the problem of a voter initiative induced reverse of prohibition another thing that i wanted to clear up is while i was telling my story about hello md i totally forgot to talk about why i opted to use my phone when I was already online with a doctor, and that's because my webcam cut out on me right as my appointment started. It's a stupid webcam, and I need to just get rid of it. But it was really nice that within minutes, the the problem was remedied because I could use my smartphone. So uh, just an important plot-turning part of the story that I forgot to mention uh also i wanted to say that i did put the referral link with the discount woot on the blog if you wanted that for hello md and then i also wanted to say thank you to mark for getting back to me with some norcal info hookup about paper recommendations versus cards and he did clarify to me that when you go into a dispensary they want the paper recommendation first but that you can use the card every time thereafter until you get your renewal. But in Southern California, you need the paper recommendation every time. They really don't care about the card. I don't know any place that just accepts the card. Even after your first time, almost every place I go to is like, be sure you bring this back with you. And they point to the paper, original paper recommendation. And I'm like, yeah, 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 I got it. In the purse. And I think that's it think that concludes our stoner moments uh i got pretty high before i moved into this episode too uh high for me especially because i kind of wanted to prove a point as we are going to be talking about tolerance so we might have a lot of stoner moments next time too just so you know uh but i smoke every day all day and i am totally able to switch up my perception as needed based on the availability of what I have pretty regularly. Right now, I I was taking some dabs of some true OG, and and it's definitely some, some good OG. One of the characteristics of OG outside of that lemon, piney, earthy taste, which can vary significantly, is uh, this this dab had that earthy taste. It wasn't overwhelmingly in the lemon or in the pine, uh, but definitely a nice grounded earthy taste to it. And in the effects, there's this incredible head-body disconnect. This is the kind of thing where it can work really well for body pain and or headaches, And uh, if you're smoking it more recreationally or as a side effect of a medicinal use, 
this is going to be one of those ones where you get that big hand feeling uh, where you, you don't quite identify with what the bottom part of your body is doing from the top part of your body, the top part being the head and the rest of it being your goddamn body. And, uh, and so this is, this it's one of the reasons why it works really well for people who need relief from being in their body. And it brings that, that chronic body pain, uh, relief to it. Can I say relief another time? Jesus Christ. Okay. I'm, I'm really high. It's all right. Be kind to yourself, Bo. Okay. So, um, I don't always like feeling this way to me. This is, this is kind of how I used to feel when I was in foster care and dealing with my abuse and, and just kind of discombobulated a lot. And so this might be something that is also disconcerting for other people to have to experience. Um, but some people, this is what they're aiming for. And then when they can no longer get it, that's a problem. And it's kind of a problem that almost every stoner faces. If you are a non-stoner and have a low tolerance to begin with, then you might have no problem getting high every time. I have a relatively high tolerance for a lot of things, but I've learned a lot of tricks for how to uh, keep my body constantly in a state of, huh? <laughs> I'm going to share them with you. But one of the first things I'm going to do is I'm going to take a bong load of some of this golden pineapple in order to try and straighten me out a little bit because I'm pretty, I'm swimming. My head is like, and my body's like, what? And I'm like, I'm stoned. <laughs> oh, and that's another thing. Uh, when dealing with your tolerance, you have to identify, do I want to be high or do I want to be stoned? Now, I've talked about the difference between being high and getting that mental and physical energy rush and the difference of being stoned and getting that super relaxed uh, depression of your system and and how some people get over anxious when they have too much energy and how some people get uh, anxious when they don't have enough. And I'm definitely one of those people who gets anxious when they don't have enough and I, and I realized while I was stoned one day, why, why that's such a problem for me, such an anxiety inducer is because I like to think and speak at the same time. It's one of the reasons that it's really easy for me to just sit here and talk in front of a microphone. Uh, I talk to myself all the time and I'm a, a really fast speaker. I have no problem doing this, but when you take that ability away from me and I get stoned, I I have a thought and it doesn't reach my mouth in time to get out before I forget it. And then I'm like, what? I wanted to say something. I like being heard. What did I want to say? Oh. What? What are we? Oh, what was I going to say? And it's gone again. And that's so frustrating for me. So uh, I really prefer to be high myself. Uh, I like uh, something that induces that mental energy. So I am going to switch up from this disembodiment that I'm experiencing right now by 
moving to a sativa that has more of a cerebral energy to it, more connectivity and focus where I'm not out of my body. I'm just much more in my head where I'm comfortable. As soon as I can find my fucking hemp light. Here, hemp light, hemp light. Found it. I was hiding behind all my fantastic professional soundproofing, a.k.a. the pillow for my couch. Yeah. I have to say that while I do not like the feeling of being this type of high, the disembodiment is really good for pain relieving. I have totally not been going to yoga like I should have been, and I definitely woke up feeling it this morning, and uh, (laughs) I don't have really any pain right now, so that'll probably change when I move over to the golden pineapple. It uh, it doesn't do anything to relieve a lot of my pain uh, when I start to tense and tighten up in the muscles and tendons and things, but... It's going to bring me the mental awareness and focus that I really need in order to do this podcast. So that's what I'm after right now. And I can go back and moderately use the true OG in order for some pain relieving properties later. All right, let's move on. Now, I've talked about having low tolerance, and I think I've I've directed a lot of my information, especially in the earlier podcast towards people who really want to slowly step in or who may have a super low tolerance. So right now, this one's really going to focus much more on habitual chronic users, both for medicinal purposes and for us stoners out there who just want to maybe enjoy getting high again outside of using it for the medicinal aspects or how to use it recreationally alongside using it for those medicinal aspects. Now, I found a really great article in the marijuanalibrary.com that I will link to in this blog that talks about, uh, based on uh, Tim Leary's uh, talking about drugs and addiction and things like that, uh, and tolerance specifically, they they phrase it so well that I, I can't do it any better. So I'm just going to put the link up there. And it's a really great article that I suggest that you read if you're into that kind of thing. And I'm going to go over a lot of the same points that they do in regards to it, but in a much less professional manner. So let's get down to it. One of the things about tolerance is the receptor activity and its modulation and downregulation when it is exposed to phytocannabinoids. That's the receptor activity of the endocannabinoid system. And the phytocannabinoids are the THC and CBD that you are ingesting when you smoke or eat or use cannabis. So basically what this means is as your system becomes flooded with cannabinoids, it learns how to regulate itself and and kind of know when to stop accepting cannabinoids or limit the number of cannabinoids that it it wants to expose itself to so that it doesn't take control over your system. And they saw this most importantly in synthetic cannabinoids that actually limited mobility in people. 
and they found that there was a threshold that when they put them in these rats, the recovery rate from being too high was much faster than for uh, the rats that had received phytocannabinoids, non-synthetic cannabinoids. And part of that reason is because if you're going to limit somebody's mobility, you could actually kill them. You could limit the mobility of their heart. You could limit the mobility of their chest muscles to actually support their lungs. Uh, You could limit the mobility of their diaphragm. And the way that our body reacts to cannabinoids specifically, in most cases, not all cases, because there are very dangerous synthetic cannabinoids out there, is to just stop accepting it and and to to limit the amount of ways that you're actually able to accept it and they did some studies that showed uh, in these rats how receptor activity would fluctuate and when it would taper off and that there are these thresholds that our bodies create Now, I'm pretty sure that they were also pumping these rats with crazy high amounts of cannabinoids directly into their bloodstream. So the way that we actually adapt to cannabis is going to fluctuate, but is based along those same principles. So you can't read too much into it. But what we do learn is that through this down-regulation of the receptor activity, we won't die. And we get the less is more theory out of it. If you want a more therapeutic uh, effect out of things, using less is often the best way to do that. But we aren't all ready to learn those kinds of things. So for a lot of us, the biggest problem is that we are chasing the dragon. You can only cross through that looking glass so many times, uh, really only the first time. Uh, and, and your system learns how to modulate itself. It learns how to become accustomed to certain things. If you run a high anxiety lifestyle, you tend to become accustomed to being high in anxiety all the time. Uh, Not everybody, some of us shut down instead, but there are a lot of people who are out there making a go out of it. That's just one example. But if you smoke regularly, your body also learns how to acclimate to being in a state of perpetual suspension. However, you suspend your non-high self by being high. Does that make sense? Oh my god. Now normally I would shelve this episode, but I'm not going to because I'm proving a point. But I have no idea what I'm talking about right now. I think I need to smoke some more golden pineapple. (laughs) I should probably smoke some CBD too. And that's another way that you can regulate your system that I'm going to talk about later is using different cannabinoids. Uh, But we're going to step into it. Uh, I'll be right back. Okay. Okay, I'm back. I think I got this. Uh, Let's see what we're talking about. We're talking about Wonderland and how, uh, well, you never, Alice never really leaves Wonderland. Even when you're back in the real world, you see touches of Wonderland everywhere. And 
the same is true for once you really get high. If you use cannabis regularly, if you don't use cannabis regularly, you can jump in and out of that wonderland probably a lot more easily than a lot of other people. But if you want to increase your likelihood to get the kind of experience, be it high or stoned or discombobulated or sleepy or whatever it is, these are some tricks that you can use. The first one is aromatherapy. Using your bud itself as a way to prime your system to receive the cannabinoids, to release hormones in in, in preemptive anticipation of your experience. It makes it sound all very spiritual. And it is. It's relatively ceremonial. But it is shown that people who grind their weed spend some time actually inhaling their weed first uh, and then taking small, quick hits versus huge hold them in tokes can experience a faster onset to the level of experience that they would like to achieve, a much higher experience, a much more satisfying experience for them. Now, I know that small, quick hits doesn't work for everybody. Uh, some people just, their lungs need, they're just ginormous. They're like fucking hot air balloons. They can't get enough. Uh, power to you guys. I, my advice still doesn't change, though. And in fact, if you are someone who likes to take really big hits, I think taking small, quick hits might be a better way to to really switch up your game. Um, if you usually take small, quick hits, I don't recommend taking large, huge hits because it usually just leads to coughing. And coughing might make you feel more discombobulated, but it's really bad for you and it deprives you of oxygen, which is really the kind of head change you're getting. I mean, even when you're sick... Too much coughing takes the wind out of you and gives you a headache. And the same thing can happen when you're high. You may just not feel the headache as much because you're high. Now, if you smoked all your weed and forgot to do the aromatherapy thing first, the good news is that you can still use other influences to induce that type of aromatherapeutic effect, which is anything, really. They may not be quite as profound an experience as true cannabinoid-based terpenes, but they can still really navigate an experience. Uh, lemon can bring you focus. Uh, black pepper can help bring much more relaxing, uh, which is great for anxiety and make you feel more stoned than high without being too uh, uh, unfocused in the brain. <laughs> Perfect timing on that one. Um, let's see, what are other ones? Lavender can help you feel more relaxed as well. Mint can also help you feel much more clear-headed. Some people, when they chew gum, they don't feel stoned anymore, especially if it's mint gum. And uh, even when it's not mint-flavored, they use mint in a lot of the fruit flavorings. And uh, I definitely feel a little bit more clear-headed when I chew gum. Not profoundly clear-headed again, but a little bit more when I actually sit back and think about it. So being aware of other things that you do when you are trying to achieve your ultimate goal is really important. 
Now, other options that are really popular on the internet is the tolerance break, to which I say, fuck that. It doesn't change my behavior any, which is what leads me to smoking regularly and is one of the things that they talk about in the uh, the tolerance and addiction thing on the website that I was talking about. Um, I'd rather step down and try to moderate my behavior then try and cut out my medicine entirely and then and then re-step it back up. Um, and, and it goes back to, you know, some days are better than others. And, and having a consistent dosage is not the best option for maintaining control over my issues. Also, it's never worked. I mean, I might feel really high for the first time. Um, But again, because my behavior doesn't really change that much, even when I do try and control it, soon enough, I'm right back to where I want and need to smoke another bowl. It's, um, It's like going on a diet or an exercise plan where you might try and change something, but if you can't do it routinely enough, it doesn't really change. And, and if you don't genuinely give over to that kind of change, your body is definitely not going to be about it. You know, sometimes the, uh, the body is unwilling to do what the mind isn't prepared to accept. And uh, that's certainly been the case with me. Uh, yeah, so I don't find it as a viable option to dealing with tolerance issues. People with chronic pain as well, I'm like, I really don't think the the best advice is to say, we're just going to take your medicine away and then we'll slowly put it back in. It's not going to kill you at all. This isn't why we're doing it. Um, no, we just, uh, we just want to, we just don't want you to smoke so much. Yeah. If tolerance is your issue, I don't think that that is the way to handle it. No, I just don't find it to be really good advice for people who have chronic issues across the board. It's, eh, it's not my go-to. It might work for you. And I know that uh, I talked about healer.com and, uh, and how that was a really great looking program. If that is something of interest to you, where you actually take a tolerance break, and then step your game back up to find that therapeutic threshold without crossing it over. If that's what you're trying to do, Tolerance breaks are great for you. If you want to find your dosage, go for it. If you're looking to supplement a tolerance that has plateaued so that you can, once again, jump into a recreational level, tolerance breaks, the payoff is so not worth the sacrifice. It's just not. There are better ways to go about it. The good news is, as far as I know, for people who need regular dosages, the psychoactivity seems to wear off, but I don't hear too often of that therapeutic dosage failing to work uh, you know, for a considerable amount of time. Again, you might need to supplement it here and there, either with more cannabis or with opioids, um, perhaps. Uh, I personally cherry pick my strains for the purposes that I need them. I try and supplement different types of cannabis in. That's always an option for you too. Now, when it comes to topical application, 
I do find that tolerance based on the medium used to deliver the the cannabinoids can fluctuate significantly. That the receptor sites in your skin can can really just use up cannabinoids very quickly, um, which doesn't always make it very efficient. Now, one of the ways I deal with that is using concentrates, but that's not always the best delivery method for a lot of people who rely on more terpene-based delivery options to soothe a a body-wide pain. My concentrates really target specific areas of pain on my body. Uh, but that's one way that I deal with with topical tolerance. So for a lot of us that smoke, tolerance becomes a really fast issue where we lose that psychoactive experience. Uh, and if a joint a day helps your pain, sure, there might be days when you need three joints. But in general, a joint a day will still make you feel better than anything else ever has. So that would be an example where people needing regular dosages are able to to find a therapeutic level where they can moderate and still function. Maybe a consistent dose isn't the perfect answer, but I don't think you're going to find a perfect answer, quite frankly. And that leads me to testing and its importance in safe access and how that not just helps medicinally, but it really helps us switch up our game as potheads. That knowing not just the amount of THC or THCA that is in our weed or our concentrates or our edibles, but knowing everything else that goes with it so we can get that cancer grade experience tailored to our desires is crucially important. Testing, testing, testing. I want to know everything about my Mary Jane. How many goddamn trash cans do they have around here? So I'm just going to repeat the fact that I smoke all day, every day. And most days I'm taking just dabs. At least a dozen. God, I don't, I've never actually tried to count. I take dozens of dabs a day. Uh, and, and I do that with a better margin of error than most. And I still get high and stoned every day. I really think that tolerance is going to be much less of an issue when you aren't an unwilling and unwittingly smoker of CBD or strains that get you high when you prefer to be stoned or vice versa. And when you can actually really dial in your experience based on collected information that you've acquired about yourself and your preferences. Nobody can tell you what you like and what you want. You have to go out and get it and conclude that for yourself. So, you know, I use it in all ways, every way. And my receptor modulation is plenty active. It's plenty receptive. And there are plenty of times when I can cross that threshold and really just kind of, uh, hang on that that slack line of perfect balance and terrifying high totally in control
you know, I feel much better than I did, what, 20 minutes ago when I was completely discombobulated out of my body, out of my head. I'll say that I'm not completely back in my body, even though I smoked some ACDC and I actually had another dab. I went instead of hitting the golden pineapple, I just went and had a sour diesel dab to kind of put me back in my body and give me that physical energy. And it isn't perfect. I'm like 80% there, but I'm certainly much more comfortable in my skin than I was when I started this podcast. And so using those fun time salads and being aware of our mixes and how we're, we're playing with this new access, you know, if you're stuck in a rut smoking the same thing, or if you're stuck in a rut because you're smoking a bunch of different things, uh, without awareness, don't let yourself stagnate when you have so many choices and so much information. If you get stuck using the same thing for medicine and it helps you feel better, you know, don't be surprised that the same stuff doesn't get you high anymore. Uh, the same way a pain medicine recipient would build a tolerance to Vicodin, you're going to build a tolerance to cannabis. The benefit is that you still get really good, in fact, great health benefits. You're just not intoxicated by it anymore. And that's what's going to improve the quality of life. And if you decide to recreate, one of the best things is that you can either up your dosage, switch the way that you are using it. Uh, if you normally smoke it, using a vaporizer instead is going to give you a very different high. Uh, using edibles instead is going to be a very different high. Even adding just a little bit of THC in your day to your smoke game, like I was accidentally doing with the microwaved Soothing Sue's THC capsules that I was making, where it was just slightly decarboxylated, but from which I found a noticeable difference in the way that I felt when I would dab, allowing me to take fewer dabs and not have to blow through it so much. Even if uh, if none of those things work, maybe in 25 years, none of these things are going to work for me. I doubt that. But I really think I can keep it switched up enough that my body is in a constant state of of down regulation and up regulation or whatever it's called when it goes the other way. Um, but suppositories are a great way to switch a game up. I have a friend who she says dabbing doesn't get her high. Vaping doesn't get her high anymore. Edibles don't really get her high. She has a very high tolerance. And I keep telling her, I'm like, got to try those suppositories. And she always changes the subject. She hasn't done it yet, but suppositories are the most direct way to get cannabinoids and terpenes into your bloodstream and across that blood-brain barrier quickly, efficiently. It is as close to feeling like the rat in those, those science studies that you can possibly get without injecting yourself full of cannabinoids, which based on the human studies that they've done that to, I do not recommend. Do not recommend that. But suppositories, ooh, three to five migs of some sativa, and I am giggling and laughing and then potentially sleeping. I don't even think, I think five migs might be too much for me in a suppository. I think it's really much more like three migs, whereas my normal dose to get to that kind of level would be an 
a, a really vague 18 to 32 maybe and even then I might go overboard it's really strain dependent and I might just uh, peak really soon and then want to sleep but the suppository is a completely different experience can be really really fun but if I take indica I am out like a light within 15 minutes like a light on a timer I'm out now Despite the fact that there seems to be this therapeutic threshold, obviously people are being pushed into very uncomfortable levels. And part of that goes back to the mind accepting the fact that you are changing your perception. You are pushing a forced change of perception upon yourself, both in mind and in body. Uh, and accepting the fact that you are not going to die from this. You, before you die from weed toxicity, you will die because weed has actually replaced a vital organ in your body. Your, your body is so filled with cannabinoids that it crushed your, your liver and, 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 and like just popped it out. That is how you would die from weed more likely than actually overdosing. Now, as we move forward, we might find exceptions with people with allergies um, and things like that. I'm not writing off the fact that this is something you should totally fly into without any kind of awareness of your own self-worth and, uh, and limits. So please proceed cautiously, of course. Um, but... You have a lot of wiggle room. Most people have a lot of wiggle room. And cannabinoid mixes are a really great way to kind of push the limits of what people think cannabis can do for them. And there might be a way to regulate or modulate your receptors using other cannabinoids in order to potentially acclimate to THC. Maybe. Uh, like CBD does. Sometimes receptors work together. Sometimes they work independently. It's really probably more about how your body releases hormones in conjunction to the terpenes and other stimuli that you are experiencing. Uh, the stress that you have in your life, the outside smells, what you're eating and drinking, what kind of activity you are partaking in, uh, as well as how you personally deal with the situation of being impaired. Um, but as we begin to discover and create strains that have these different cannabinoid mixes and profiles and demand the testing uh, from our, our political representatives and dispensaries that aren't bound by them, we are going to learn more about how to help people make cannabis work for them. And that might open people up to the idea of using THC and, and, and experiencing the fullness of what it means to heal. And that's going to be a fucking healthcare revolution. And then stoners like me will be total gurus. Yes. <laughs> Oh, it's not going to happen at all. But I, I honestly believe that uh, people 
are going to have to learn to be more open-minded to to bringing themselves into the healing process and not just relying on a pill or doctor's advice or or an article or something like that and uh and really taking the time to identify with themselves so since it's all going to be backed up by the fact that people just really want to get stoned let's deal with that part first i hope that you find these tips helpful and i hope that you have the means with which to acquire both tested and delicious materials as well as the right strains for you and if not be writing out there be writing your representatives city council on the state level do it all all right you guys let's move on to the safety i'm gonna smoke some more of this weed right here I am not looking forward to going back and listening to this and editing it. I'm hoping that I still have that. No, that made sense. Yeah, no, what was I worried about? We'll see. Oh, I smoked it. I need to fill my bowl up. My bowl is broken. Now it's fixed. So for my safety, I'm just going to do it really quick. And uh, I just wanted to revisit my Boundless Vape. And I want to say I'm loving it. I don't use it every day by any means. But I'm really, really liking when I am able to bust it out and, and what it's able to do for me. It's still working really, really great. Uh, I do keep it at the lower temperatures. And I use the small nugs instead of shake. And that really helps, I think, increase the longevity of the area where it heats up the most. I did mention that a friend of mine's had started to crack and break apart. And she was able to return hers and get a new one. And she used mine while she waited because there was like a, a couple of weeks in between. Um, there is also a trick feature that I wanted to mention. Though the... the the vaporizer itself has an auto shut off feature. It doesn't actually shut it off. So you have to turn it off after it turns it off or you have to turn it on twice the next time you use it. So there were a couple of times where I would try and turn it on and it just looked like it was turning off and you could see the boundless vape on the screen. It would scroll down and then I would click it five times again and it would scroll up and I was like, oh, and then I let it auto shut off. And then I clicked it five times again and I could see it go down and shut off. And then I clicked it five times on and it scrolled up. And then instead of waiting for the auto shut off, I just clicked it five times again to turn it off and it went down and I was like, all right. So that's a little bit of a thing. If it auto shuts off, you just have to remember to actually shut it off again. Uh, it was confusing, but not a reason to not appreciate its awesome flavor still still loving the flavor, still really clean and uh, easy to work with. I'm very happy. So thank you, Boundless Vape. That's totally not uh, promoted content. Again, nobody's paying me to say that. I'm just sharing 
uh, a product that I feel is actually some some quality product and some CSR that actually worked. So well done to you guys. You know, maybe you're in the market for a vape. So there you go. I hope you enjoy yours just as much as I've enjoyed mine. All right, you guys, I'm high. I think I think I need some lunch and a nap. <laughs> That's going to be great. And then I'm going to edit this. And it's probably going to be late because I am going to yoga tonight. I am going to yoga. So I'll see you guys later. Thanks for spliffing it. Ciao for now. Stay high.